one live from the dirt bike test shop garage this is tech talk taco tuesday number 10 it's amazing we've done 10 of these things um so we are gonna get going here i've got a few different questions that we sourced from the post that we put out this morning on facebook um also pulled a couple off of the youtube feed um from our last Tech Talk Taco Tuesday number nine. I will kind of, I'm going to adjust the camera here in a second and get a other couple little things sorted out. We, uh, this janky little radio show, I just want to make sure that everybody can um, hear the sound okay, but there's a little bit of a delay right now. So um, let me know if the sound is good. And then, and then we'll go from there. So the, the camera, I think, I think I can get it here. Oh, no, that, you know what? That's not the camera. <laughs> let's do it like, let's get it like over here, like, like that. I think it'll be better. Okay. Then I move over here, and then I can see my computer and read my notes and do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. Okay, so we've got a good, it sounds great, so somebody must not have hearing problems like a lot of my, uh, <laughs> a lot of my other friends. Good. Sound is good. It works. Awesome. Okay. Um, so uh, this one, I'm solo on this This one. We're looking at um, trying to get other people um, coming in. I uh, got my uh, got my peebs, so I'm good, good there. Um, no tacos tonight. We had a tri-tip salad, steak salad, something or other. Not too bad. Uh, we'll go do... Uh, tacos on Thursday night. We have Taco Thursday here in Prump as well, so we'll head down to Ramiro's and hit that up. Um, come and say hi if we're out there. So I have my notes, and I got an interesting uh, question from somebody based off of our 250 off-road comparison, and the question was, it was basically, sound issues aside, will a Honda CRF 250RX outperform a 250X with good suspension mods and opened up airbox on tight trails? Or could the 250RX become a handful? Um, so I had to think about that for a minute. So they're comparing the bike that's, how old is a CRF250X? Probably 15 years old with something that's brand new. And in reality, uh, those two bikes are kind of similar. They're, they have the, the Honda characteristics. It's a really light, um, light feeling, light handling bike. Uh, the difference is, is I think the RX, when I just off the top of my head, the RX, cause it's fuel injected and it makes more peak power. Um, it seems like it's going to be like more of a racy bike, but like we mentioned in our test, when you start riding that bike at like off-road pace and, and more trail riding stuff, you'll find that the the power delivery and the torque of that motor is actually pretty good. Like something that we complain about when we talk about racing motocross with it is kind of really a high strung top end motor. Will the ignition mapping and the changes they made to that bike, uh, make it actually really good on the trail. The, the, I don't think it becomes a handful. It's definitely suspended a little bit stiffer. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's more of a race bike, but that's where everything's going. Even KTM takes their motocross bike and turns it into basically, you know, an off-road bike. And that's what we're all riding these days is kind of tame down motocross bikes for the trail. So um, I don't think it's going to be a handful. Uh, I think, in fact, especially if you're a heavier guy, um, it just means you don't have to have the suspension revalved and and, and worked on because it, it works pretty good off-road for someone at my weight. It's just fine. Um and then the then it, then the questions kind of kept coming. It was like, will the 250 RX run the San Felipe, San Felipe SF? Is what he said. San Felipe hoops well. Nothing should ride through. The, it's like, why why would you even want to go there? I mean, that's it. Just um, you know, but but a lot of our desert race courses and stuff, and some of our beat open areas and stuff, you have whoop whoops like that. Not like the car um, buggy bumps that are out there, um, but. It'll do it as good as any other bike, but when you're on a 250, um, a lot of times they just don't pull hard enough for you know unless you're really running them up in the RPM to 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 go through that stuff. And it definitely um, 
would be better than the old uh, 250X, that's for sure. Um, yeah, can it hold the front wheel up and pull through the hoops? Yeah, normal hoops, sure, but you're just you're just going to be at a really high RPM. Uh, it that's just the way you ride a 250F, no higher than it would be on the older one. Um, and will a 250RX stay close to an old 450X on Baja two track roads? No. That's it. No, <laughs> it's a 250. Um, they run good, and it you know it, it. But it really and here here's the funny thing about that. If you're the kind of guy that like lugs your 450 and you're expecting the torque to kind of to, to constantly pull you and lug you along and you ride a 250 the same way, absolutely not. But a good rider, a person that knows how to use and manipulate the power band can run the 250 at a higher RPM and get the power that they need um, by using ours. It's never going to have the same amount. But this is what I tell people that are same thing when you ask me, oh, I need more power, I need a pipe, or I need, um, you know, I need to do this, and I need to take this off. The, the I need to take these reed valves out of my intake track and my KTM emissions bike and all this stuff. So I always say, so when you're riding that bike at peak RPM and the throttle's wide open, you know, that's when you need more power? Or do you need more power when you're at like a third throttle and you're expecting it to like roll on or something and and then it's like well if you need more power there it's real simple i'll give you the free answer to get more power turn the throttle farther and when you start turning the throttle farther and you run out of throttle cable then you start needing to look at ways to modify your motorcycle and and that's the power part when you start talking about i need a certain kind of characteristic power characteristic to make the bike work for the way i ride that's a whole that's a whole different um, kind of thing. So hopefully that answers your, your questions. Um, the, the, the Honda 250 RX, I think out of all, out of those three 250s, uh, would it be my first choice? And the Yamaha is really good everywhere, but I think if I were doing like high speed Baja, um, desert racing stuff, I think it would probably be the KTM has a better motor for that kind of stuff. But I think the Honda chassis is better at that. So, um, take that for what we will. Um, that's why we write all that stuff on that website we put out. We write all that information out where it's spelled out and I don't have to kind of like crunch my brain, which only works at half speed when I'm trying to read notes and talk and things like that. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, I think I saw some questions pop up across the, 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 the screen and the feed there. I'll try to get back to those a little bit later. Um, Michael Pounds asks, can you comment on upper body protection? What type of gear do you use for dual sport versus single track? So, um, when I was, I'll just go up, you know, on me, when I was racing, I was always a chest protector guy. I would, um, always wear like an HRP, which was a, a company that had a, a chest protect that had, um, elevated shoulder pads on it. And I was worn outside of the jersey, and I always wore that when I was racing because I had a good front and back, you know, plastic protection and some kind of softer foam padding. And it was mostly about the plastic parts in case I went skidding across the ground. They provided some impact resistance from things like handlebars or foot pegs or rocks, and then, you know, the foam did a little bit. But stuff has gotten so much better now. And even today when I rode, I just wore a climb trying to think of the name aggressor or something it's they have a new kind of technical um undergarment it's like a net like you've seen alpine stars and dynasty and companies like that have um and it has a, a really interesting foam inside of it that that actually still feels like really soft but you hit it and i know because i kind of have a bruise right here because i haven't crashed but i decided to test it so i took my my boot and and kind of started you know, whacking myself on the, on the tit here, you know, cause it's this nice saw. I felt it cause I wanted to check to see how it worked. And so I did it a few times with the, with the padding on and I took it off and whacked myself maybe twice with the boot before I stopped and, uh, it works. <laughs> so how, how do we test stuff here at dirt bike test? Well, <laughs> we, you know, invent ways. So, um, but there's that I know I know and now they're coming out and uh, I saw some of the I think their production now but like last year uh, Andrew Short and Ricky Brabeck when they were training at her they had they had the Alpine Stars air vests that they wear underneath 
Um, so it's like a, it's like one of those technical vests, but it actually has the airbags inside of them. And we never saw one go off. Um, and did did we see one go off? Oh, you oh you've seen it at the road race track, yeah, yeah. But I've ne- I haven't seen one go off um, off road riding. But um, they're wearing those. So there's all kinds of all kinds of stuff. In in my world, when I'm trail riding, I don't wear um, a lot of like upper body protection or like really um, anything too um, too protective. A lot of times I'll wear a jacket, and when I wear the jacket, sometimes I leave the elbow pads in. Um, some some sometimes I uh, you know leave the shoulder pads in. It really depends on what I'm riding, and and I'm not one of those guys that that quote dresses for the crash. Because I try to ride so that I won't crash. Now I'm, I'm never going to prevent that, but um, it's it's a it's a it's like a personal decision. And sometimes the the protective stuff can get in the way or interfere with your ability to ride properly. So <laughs> I've seen guys so geared up that they they can't move. So it's really it's it's kind of up to you. There's lots of cool stuff. Alpine Stars makes some really nice. Um, even uh, they have like five or six different versions of kind of body protection, chest protectors. Some of them are meant to be under under the jersey. Um, so there's there's quite a bit of um, different options that you can you know go with there. Uh, so um, that's my comment on it. But for dual sport and in in single track, um, a lot of times if I'm kind of going to do faster stuff, uh, I will leave the protection that's in some of the jackets in the jacket and, and go there. Um, it's really rare that I kind of actually do a lot of extra stuff, but that's, that's me. Um, if, if you feel like you're going to crash, I would wear more. It's, it's that simple. I don't feel like I'm going to crash. I never want to feel like I'm going to (laughs) crash. I wouldn't, if I thought I was going to crash, I probably wouldn't ride my motorcycle. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Um, Dave Grunkley, um, as a small old guy, he says he's 5'6", 175, 58 years old, with a lifetime of off-road riding and racing, I'm having a hard time building confidence on my off-road on, off-road on my KTM 1090R. It's big. Any tips appreciated? Setups or modes? Oh. Oh, you don't, you don't want to come to my riding school and learn the best thing to do. I can tell you how to... Yeah, I can tell you every mode known to man, and it's not going to help until you figure out that number one, the reason you're uncomfortable is because you're out of balance, and the other reason is you're on a big heavy bike that has a hard time getting traction. So um, those are those are the two problems. And if you s- just sit back and analyze it, and I don't know um, how to make your balance any better. I don't know which mode to put it in to, to get that, but, um, run the KTM dongle. That way you can, you know, whatever mode you put it in when you turn your key off, it stays back on, um, on our, on our YouTube channel, we have a whole setup thing on what I do to my KTM 1090. I suggest you do everything exactly like I did. Cause I have the best, um, KTM 1090 in the world. Um, Oh wait, no, you probably won't want to put the tall seat on it. <laughs> I, um, so I run a tall seat in mine and I, I'm five, eight on a good, no, I guess I'm five ten, maybe five ten on a good day. And, and I have a short, short inseam and I run a tall seat on my adventure bike because I don't want to ride around with my feet on the ground. And so that's going to just throw everything out the window, but, uh, watch that video. That'll answer the questions on the setups and modes. But, um, in reality, it's a big, heavy adventure bike. It's never going to feel as good as a dirt bike. Um, and the problem with it, the adventure bikes is they mask your out of balanceness for quite a long time before they throw it back in your face. Um, a small dirt bike, you have so, your weight is so much more influential on what you, you know, when you move on that on the small dirt bike, it reacts. When you move on an adventure bike, it takes forever to to react to it until it starts going and then it's going the wrong way and then you don't have enough weight to bring it back in line and that's the problem that people tend to find in, on adventure bikes is because when they're moving and everything's good you've got a lot of weight going in the right direction they feel stable they feel comfortable and then the minute they're not in the right direction uh you're gonna have a big problem on your hands that you probably it's a fight you can't win so um yeah i i don't know get good tires run run a decent um you know a 50 50 type knobby on it at all times uh a kenda big block is the tire i suggest all the time 
uh, Continental TKC80, Michelin Anarchy Wilds. Those are about the three tires that I run. I would run um, for dual sport adventure riding, period. Uh, if you find the one that gets like twice the mileage, uh, guess what? It's made out of cement, not rubber. Um, and someone asked, else wanted me to comment on um, the uh, particulate silicone content matter inside of tires, and I'm not not going to go there. I, I was, you have to get me a tire expert in here that can talk about that stuff. I don't know. I, I just know what works and what doesn't work. Um, Marty Small asks, what are your thoughts on steg pegs? So steg pegs are these interesting things that kind of bolt on usually – um, it's like a, it's literally like a rubber knob or a peg that kind of goes on the lower part back behind your legs, um, on the uh, side panel, kind of near the side panel. And they're, they're designed so that you have something to grip onto when you start rocking back on the bike. Um, they, and and they're they're they can be positioned differently, but um, and I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with them. Uh, when I tried them, I did not like them, and it's not to say that they're good or bad. It's just for me, they didn't do what they, um, I guess, what they're supposed to do. Because I found that when I would want to get back, let's say I'm going down a downhill and I wanted to get back, they would actually get in the way of me moving my feet, you know, back on the foot pegs and dropping my ankles down and doing the stuff that I do, um, and then just sometimes they would awkwardly catch it, it at, at the wrong times. They would kind of be in the way. So, um, but I have had other riders tell me that they help them hang onto the motorcycle. They, they, they make it so that they can grip onto the motorcycle. Um, in my very idealized way about, um, thinking of how you should ride, you should be balanced on your foot pegs and therefore kind of anticipate what you're going to do with the bike. So in, in theory, you're not going to get thrown off. It needs something like that to kind of grab you. Um, and I hang on with my ankles a lot more. So um, maybe that's why I can get away with it. I don't try to hang on like with my knees or with my calves. And it, I, I think they, I think if you, they were infinitely adjustable, you could probably find a spot that they would work really good. But for me, they, they didn't uh, work out all that well. So um it's it's uh it's one of those products they're out there out there for the reason because somebody found that that helped them work or make you know make them be able to ride better and and uh um that's why they're there and if you think that that's if you find yourself sliding off the back of your bike you can't hang on they make rib seats and and um all different kinds of things um i you know some people put a lot of grip tape on the side of their bike um there's actually uh, graphics kits that used to, there's a company called Stomp. They made snowboard grip tape that people used to stick on the side of their bikes to hang on to it. So a lot of different options there. Um, uh, I think, you know, it's, um, that's what I think about them. I don't, I don't have a ton of experience. I have tried them, but I don't have a ton of experience with them. Um, Logan Rasco is asking, what are your thoughts on the Dakar rally moving to Saudi Arabia? Uh, uh, interesting. Um, I actually, I think it's good. I all politics aside, and I don't understand a lot of that and I don't try not to pay too much attention to that. And, but, um, they are going to have a lot more true, like African desert, um, you know, situations availability out there compared to, I think in South America, it was just too, the, the population was too dense. And you saw it in the race. The race was slowly getting shorter and shorter. The racing stages were getting shorter and shorter. Um, the transfer sections were getting longer and longer. And uh, it was um, it was kind of getting challenging over there. And, and I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of money involved and sponsors and kind of different things. And I know that the you know, that the, the, the kingdom of Saudi is really trying to improve their public relations image and having, you know, world-class rally like that over there is probably pretty good. Um, we'll see how all the, the laws and, and, um, different things kind of play out in that, in that, uh, environment. Um, you know, what's, you know, what's going to be allowed. And I, I was actually talking with, um, Daniel Laporte today and we were just kind of talking about old Dakar cause we miss, you know, the African aspect of Dakar where you literally start your stage in the morning right outside of the bivouac and ride 800K, 
you know, without having to, um, you know, do any transfers and stuff. It was raced from the moment you got up in the morning till you arrived at the finish line and you wouldn't see a soul and no spectators. And so, um, I think it's going to be good. We've looked at, we've started looking at maps over there and they have a lot of different varying terrain. I'm sure it's a lot of sand. Um, you know, having raced in, in Dubai and the United Arab Emirates before, I know what the empty quarter looks like because part of that is actually in the country of Dubai. So, and that's, that makes, that can make some good racing. So, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm sure they're going to, I think there's a press conference on the 25th where they're going to start announcing um, more stuff, but a lot of it's speculation right now. I mean, they've announced they're going there and they've announced they're going there for five years. So, um, that's about all we really know. Um, they've shown some brilliant pictures and from people I've talked to who have lived there and been there, um, they say there's no question. There's definitely desert out there. Um, so it'll be, it'll be pretty, pretty cool. I think I hope, I hope, I hope it kind of goes back to where it came from. So next, um, Oh, here we go. I'm on to my San Felipe Bob questions. Hey, Bob, you out there? You out there answering my questions on the side? You doing sidebars? Because I can't pay attention right now. <laughs> I'm sure he's handling it. So, uh, Bob, uh, how much time have you spent camping off the grid on your motorbike? Um, a fair amount. Enough to know that that if I'm on an adventure bike, I take a really big tent and a thick air mattress. And uh, I do it luxury on that. And then, of course, I've done stuff like the Tour of Idaho, where it was you know, all my stuff was in a, a giant loop, literally a little tiny thin, Oh, a little tiny thin, um, you know, tube sock <laughs> laying around the back of my KTM 500. So, um, I've, uh, yeah. So yeah, I've spent plenty of time doing it. What is your must have list for bike camping? I <laughs> a thick mattress on the adventure bike, big tent. Yeah. Um, Let's see, pack all, do you pack all your gear on your bike or do you wear pack, pack and distribute the weight? Um, on tour of Idaho, yeah, I had a backpack. Um, and it was, I mean, I tried to keep the backpack as light as possible. And there's, you know, there's definitely a few companies that are making uh, stuff for that. Um, on the tour of Idaho, I used a giant loop. Currently, I'm using a lot of the, um, the uh, Wolfman packs because they're a little more modular. And they have, you know, kind of they have a they have a newer system that I'm actually testing right now that has like kind of a base, this base that kind of hooks on the bike and then you can attach different packs to it. Um, so that is kind of an advantage when you're trying to, you know, segment your stuff. But it's it's all just it's all just dependent, you know, getting comfortable with what you're you got to figure out what you need, what you're trying to accomplish. And then um figure out what you got to, what you got to do to pack it. Um, most people, in my opinion, uh, in my experience, <laughs> overpack, take way too much stuff. And I will tell you the tricks. Um, this is really simple. Pack your heavy stuff down low and as far forward as you can get it. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the trick. So, okay. Um, uh, and Bob likes to say that he has a giant lube bag that works great on his old WR450. <laughs> so let's do that one there. Plug for giant lube. Uh, let's see. George, George Justice, what tools do you carry for trail riding? Um, most interesting trail side fixes. Uh, I'm going to pass on this question right now. Because <laughs> what, I, what I need to do is I actually need to walk over there and grab my my gear bag and just take it apart on the table right in front of you and show you what I have. But unfortunately, since I've been on 16 different bikes over the past few months, um, I've been throwing tools in and out of it. It's a mess. It doesn't, it doesn't, it would, it would, I've got too much stuff in there and then not the probably things that I need. Um, and I'll think about the trail side fixes. I've, I've done, um, quite a bit of those over the, uh, over the years, uh, usually it involves quick steel beer cans, um, you know, hose clamps, man. there's some cool new stuff. I mean, just in the last few years, some of the, some of the, the silicone, the rubberized, um, I just bought some last night. I bought quick steel and some of that stretchy siliconized tape that you can literally fix radiator hoses and stuff with on the fly. And those are two things I always like to carry with me is that, 
is the quick steel and then that that bonding tape that'll uh, it'll fix lots of stuff so i'll 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 work on that um and maybe we'll do a, a little uh show based kind of on trail side tools and fixes and things like that so uh martin hackworth uh, martin is the uh, inventor of the tour of idaho <laughs> and he asked me the question he says i'm on robber's roost and i have a loose wire what do i do it kind of tails off the last question you know what martin you quit the tour of idaho you flap your arms up and down push the help button beacon on your uh, delorme in reach and hope somebody comes and um hope somebody comes and saves you that's what i would do wait i did i didn't do that I actually i tore my bike apart figured out that my ecu came unplugged and uh, you can watch it on the tour of idaho video that's up on our um on dirt bike test too so that's a good way to waste an hour or 45 minutes of your time and it's inspirational. You'll want to go ride your dirt bike across Idaho unsupported with GPS track logs. Um, okay. Uh, uh, Christian Ren, Renninger, Renninger, Renninger. I'm, I'm great with names. Um, so as a follow-up to last week's question on PDS versus link, I picked up a 2015 husky fe350s what's the wisdom on the 4cs forks for dual sport desert single track do it all bike for an experienced but not a racer guy um it says seems the forks have some love hate across everything i read well that bike does it have the 4cs did the husky i'm pretty sure it does i mean he would i don't think he'd be asking the question if it didn't i can't remember specifically i i don't think that they had gone to the because it's if it's an FE, I don't know if they were open cartridge. I think that may have been the upgrade because they had the linkage shot, the linkage suspension, and then they had the uh, the four CS fork. Uh, if I'm pretty, we may have tested that bike, or we tested a Husky. I don't know. Maybe it was the maybe is the the FC or F FX or one of them. I know we tested one, or at least we did some stuff. So here's. Here's the thing about that fork. I think it definitely kind of got a bad rap, sort of like Air Forks did. It wasn't the best fork out there, so everybody starts just chewing it apart and beating it up. Um, and it was it was interesting because I think it it progressively got better. Like everything as it evolved, it got better. Um, there are guys out in the suspension world that'll sell you twenty different kits that have everything from you know nothing in them to beautiful billet anodized replacement parts that do different things. But before you start complaining about your fork, I want you to tell me what it does wrong. Like, what are you feeling? What's the problem with it? Just because some journalist someplace said it was bad, uh, then that's that's not that's usually not the answer. And most of the time, those journalists that said it was bad never took the time to turn the clickers, take the air out of it, you know, make any sort of adjustments. Maybe even something as simple as setting the ride height in the bike to compensate for the feeling or counteract the feeling they're getting from the fork. There's a lot of stuff you can do. I always found there's two things that I remember about four CS forks um, that just without doing without ever taking them off the bike. There's two things you can do that can change the way that they work. Um, number one is you have to understand that the compression and the specifically the compression adjuster works more like a mid-speed valve a mid-speed valving change than a low speed so you're not you're not going to get that you know you're, you're not going to be able to change the initial feel of the fork with the clicker that much i mean it will a little bit but not that much so what we were tended to do was we would either add air or most of the time take air out of the fork. So we would run like a negative pressure inside of that fork. So you'd, you'd actually open the bleed screw up, or I usually had the Motion Pro um, adjusters on it, and I'd compress the fork down a little bit and then bleed the air off, and then it had a little bit of a negative pressure on there. And you could get the fork to actually be pretty supple, even though they, they kind of inherently in that design had a little more stiction than some of the other forks out there. But by with a negative, you know, a little bit of negative pressure, there you could get them to start moving a little bit better. And then they were also pretty picky to oil height, so that that's where now we're getting inside of it. But if you you play with that, 
understand that the the compression adjuster is a mid-speed adjuster and realize that if you start and then sometimes we found that if you went stiffer on it sometimes it held it up in the stroke and made it initially softer the complaints typically were that the fork was a little bit harsh so hopefully that kind of answers the question and then also think about the ride height of the bike you know if you want it to be a little bit you know sometimes you can just change you know five four three millimeters in the back up and down can change the way that that bike um, rides on that front end and how it feels and it's little stuff like that and uh, get them serviced so ride your bike for 10 15 hours and get your fork serviced and they will they and especially if it's a good good um, shop that's going to do it they'll make sure that the seals have grease on them they're lubed up they're put a good consistent oil in them and you'll be in good shape hopefully set the ride height or the oil height properly because and if you find they bought them add a little bit more oil or if you want to be a little bit more soft take a little bit of oil out um, from whatever the standard level is and make sure they check that the bike had standard level in it because we've also seen bikes with uh, different levels inside of them so um hopefully that answers that question christian um and maybe you can get me a follow-up uh when you do that let me know how it works out because I'd, I'd i'd really like to know i mean before you run off to the guy who has the 900 hundred dollar fix or some, some other parts that you're throwing into him because until you ask the question that's that says hey i want my forks to do this and you go oh then you're gonna have to change that part um you don't need those uh let's see Brian C. England. How about a story about your best nurse at back to the truck field fix? Oh, here, <laughs> here we go. I think we're, this is this is this is we're just gonna have we're gonna have a Jimmy rigged podcast for all the stuff that I that I that I rigged all this stuff. Um, let's see. He says leather shoestrings and clutches, Allen wrenches, um, uh, Allen wrenches clamped to busted shifters. What did you do? Look at my Instagram feed. <laughs> Vice grips on throttle cables. Never done that. Um, yeah, so stuffed his jersey in a bunch of twigs and grass under the, under the, uh, tire and yeah, rode it in like that. I've, I've done most of those things. Yep. Um, I don't know what my best one is. Uh, like I said, I, I, I'll think about that. It seems like we're getting onto a little bit of a theme here. So what I'm going to do now is switch over to see if I can see what the questions were popping up here. Um, let's see. Bob's Bob's running the chat room. He's got the chat room on point. I can see I can see some of the answers. Um, let's see. Let's, um, I can't. I know why. Because I have to go like that. Oh, jeez. That's why I had the compute the volume shut off. You're gonna get feedback. There we go. This is where this is where you go grab another beer when you when you watch me start fumbling with the. How do I shut that off? Yeah. Now I've got a whole thing open here just shut the sound off that that beer see I, that the delay now i'm now i'm all confused because i'm watching my own delay this is where i need a producer Okay. Hold on. This is the only way to fix this problem. Now I know the sound is good. <laughs> I can see that. I can't. I can't mute my. Um, mute my. How about that function? F10. There. I think I just fixed it. Yeah. Watch. Watch me. Not a computer guy. I hope all you computers are just laughing your ass off at what I just did. <laughs> I need. I got a beer assistant. That's right, Martin. Um, okay, we're back on the uh, thing. I'm gonna kind of, kind of swing back up the comments and see where we're at here. Um, 
Let's see. Um, everybody wants. Um, everybody wants to know trail fixes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna send that whole thing to another show. Uh. Okay. Yeah, there's not a there's not a ton of questions there. It's just, just idle chitter chatter on the forums. So what I'm going to talk about next is our 2019 Yamaha WR450 that um, I uh, have been playing with today. We've been playing with it for the last uh, few days. We have the cool thing is is I'm pulling my phone here to get my notes because I weighed it today. So it is. There's two numbers everybody wants to know. How fast is it, and what does it weigh? <laughs> those are the uh, those are the two questions. So I know the answer to those. So today on the dry lake bed, I'm actually going to throw this out there. How fast do you think it wet went, and then how much do you think it weighs? Just go ahead and start chomp, just throwing those uh, throwing those comments out there. So I'm doing math right now because I know what the front and rear wheels are. Okay, so the weight is. I'm gonna say, if you watched, if you watched the, uh, if you watched the Instagram live feed, you saw exactly how fast it went. So, um, the weight is two hundred and sixty-four point five pounds with a full tank of gas. So, if you guess that, actually, maybe uh, I'll see, I'll see who. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this comment this comment uh, thing when I when I get off the air here. And I am going to get my bet the best uh, the best comment or tick or uh, question will get a dirt bike test T-shirt or hat, and I will reach out to you um, on a direct message or Insta message, grammar, no, just a, a Facebook messenger. I'll I'll uh, find you that way, and um, get that. So, and the top speed was. Hundred. It 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 just tapped a hundred miles an hour, so it was kind of sitting. It's basically sitting at ninety seven most of the time. So there might have been a slight gust of wind or something that gave it a little bit of a hand. Um, but uh, it's and the way we have it set up right now, it's it's pretty much what we will call it kind of stock. So the Yamaha comes very corked up. We all know this. It comes with a throttle stop in it. Of course, that's gone. Um, it has an intake restrictor for noise. Of course, that's not in there anymore. And since our bike is now a competition bike, we have the uh, GYTR competition ECU in it. And the the thing that's really cool about it is it allows us to use the Yamaha Power Tuner app. And if you have paid attention to us in the future or past with the YZ450 and now the YZ250 and the YZ450FX, this is really awesome. So we've been playing around with all of our... Um, different different maps and tuning with it and of course we don't have we're still running with the, the stock exhaust which is it's not completely stock there's a little teeny teeny tiny pea shooter that's been taken out but it's still really quiet and uh so we're just getting a, a map kind of set up for that which actually isn't that hard because yamaha gave us the map that they recommended for it and it's really good so um and where it puts that bike is now it's with with the it actually when you take the when you take the throttle stop and the air airbox in airbox restrictor out and you take the little little tiny pea shooter out it's about the same as a Honda 450X. The Honda might have a little bit more um uh kind of up on it just in stock stock if we're going to call that stock. But the the big change really is um now we have that power tuner in it, and now we're able to adjust things for um, a freer-flowing exhaust, which is what we're going to get our hands on. We're trying to get the GYTR one uh, right now, and we'll see how that um, we'll see how that goes. But because of the because of the um, the power tuner app, we don't have to um, buy any other accessory stuff. Now we can do all of that tuning and not only we're not just tuning fuel, we can also tune ignition. So it's, it's a kind of a step up from, let's say like a JD jetting tuner. It's more like a vortex ignition and Yamaha has definitely built some parameters into it that, um, 
make it so that you you're not going to screw your bike up the and another kind of cool thing is well it's it's good or bad so it it also another piece you can buy is you can buy a map switch so it's a two position map switch or it's just a button it's it's an led button that if you push it you're in map two and you push it back you're in map one and it's on the fly it's like it's supposed to be you don't have to stop or you know rub your belly and pat your head you don't have to do anything funny to, to you just push the button and it switches the map and they have they have kind of the standard the the map number one is always what we call a standard map and map number two on this one is like a mellow map where it's a uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the wording they used for it like a uh, uh, difficult conditions I don't remember what the what the the thing was so it's a it's a less aggressive map and that's programmed in the base map that's underneath whatever you change so it never changes I kind of wish they were both that that they they were both the same because it's because I'm what I was doing today is I was trying to make a uh, a tuned map that would kind of make the maps the the same would get rid of some of the 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 hesitation that the map number two has all the time it seems like it it seems like it's a little less responsive and it's kind of flat for the first third to maybe half throttle. And so I was trying to trying to make a map that would make them identical. So I knew how I would have to boost every map if I wanted them to be the same. So the uh, the that's that's kind of where we're at right now. And we'll when we get a little bit farther on that, that's the kind of level we test this stuff. I think I just saw something fly across the screen. Can you buy this in California? Um, yes, if you're going to turn your bike into a closed course competition bike, you absolutely can buy it. The the uh, GYTR. Um, um, ECU. So, um, and then, and then you just, you know, like right now, somebody pushed the start button on our bike, I could, you know, talk to it. <laughs> so I was talking to the bike with the phone. It takes however long it takes you to make the map, but it takes about 15 seconds at the most to send a new map to the bike. And then you can kind of play around with it. Uh, we will have some of our best maps. Um, we'll take pictures of them and show them to you. And I think we can even share them. It's, a uh, there's a there's a way I don't know if I forgot if you do it through email I know I can share them between the machines on my app but I think you can email them let me see actually I can go right into the app here and find out let's see go to maps go here and if I slide it like that share and what does it say share oh yeah I can send it as a message I can send it in mail I can save it to a file it's pretty cool that's the future right there you did I don't just talk to I don't talk to anybody on my phone but I talk to my motorcycles now so hopefully that uh answers helps people with that question so overall what do i think of the bike um i like it uh i don't know for out here i was riding out here in pahrump and it's pretty uh you know fast more deserty uh kind of stuff i don't know if it's better than the honda at this kind of stuff but once you start getting in more technical like if i was going to be riding in first second third maybe a little bit of fourth gear I would choose the Yamaha, I think, all the time. But once you start going third, fourth, fifth gear riding, fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth gear riding, then the Honda kind of comes into its own. So they're they have different characters. They're definitely it's it's a lot like we talked about on our 250 comparison. They have um, you know some traits and characteristics that it's it's good. We have variety and changes. I don't know whether it's good or bad. You kind of have to decide what you're gonna what you're gonna use the bike for. Um, but, uh, the, the changes they made, like we wrote in our kind of first impression, the changes they made to that bike are spectacular. And on the previous version WR, I would hardly ever recommend it to anybody over the FX. And now it's a viable option. You, you know, if you're, if you want to bike with headlights and, and you want it a, an enduro, more of an enduro type, um, tuning to the ECU, you want more of a enduro compliance on the suspension, and they kind of hit a home run on all those all those fronts. So it's actually it's actually pretty uh, pretty good. Um, we will, like I said, we're kind of in the middle of testing it, and I want to I want to do a little bit of modifications before we write the complete test because I want to see how it responds to those because most guys will do those kinds of uh, changes to them anyway. So it's part part of our part of our thing. So. Um, Let's see. When in doubt, Jimmy resort to one of my soap boxes. So Jesse, I, you you didn't think I was pissed off there at my computer? 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, I was pissed at the computer. What else do we have on the on the agenda today? Why didn't Yamaha release a street legal version? Wow. Um, I'm not Yamaha, so I can't answer that. But I suspect if you see... Actually, just take a really good close look at a Honda Sierra 450L and then look at the Sierra 450X and you see how different those two bikes are. There's kind of the same base core thing. And then you look at how KTM does it. You look at the, the KTM EXC versus like an XC. And they're, they're different because of the chassis with the, with the suspension and stuff like that. And it's just that the, that the Japanese companies don't seem to want to do it the way that KTM is doing it, um, using so many of the, the same parts. And I, it, I don't know if it's, if it's just cultural. I don't know if it's just legal. I don't, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't imagine because, you know, there's, there's, nothing, there's been nothing wrong with copying, <laughs> you know, in the past. To, to do stuff, but there's, there's tons of, um, there's tons and tons of, you know, regulations and they're kind of, it's kind of how these companies interpret them. And with all that stuff that went on with some of the emissions things that, that, that VW went through a few years ago. And I mean, I know that any of these car manufacturers, they're scared to death of, of having bad stuff happen. And you as a dirt bike rider asking for a light, agile, you know, nimble, you know, high performance machine, but it still has to meet the same requirements that, that a Harley has to meet, for instance. And so that's, uh, that's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough road to hoe and uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that Yamaha couldn't do that. Um, but as you've seen in the past, if you look at like the, the, the WR250 and then the other WR250 or the YZ250 kind of the, the, that platform, but the WR250, the one that is a true dual sport bike, it's its own animal. It's completely, it's a completely different um, bike. It doesn't share anything with, with the, the YZ or WR four stroke or, you know, or it's, it's confusing cause it is called a WR. It's a WR250 R and a WR250 X, I believe were the two, the two models that they had. One was more of like a super motard type um, styling to it. So um, I think they just have a different philosophy on it. And, and if they're going to build a street bike, it's going to be, you know, its own kind of its own animal. They're not going to take a YZ and, and build it that way. And that kind of, that kind of runs back to another question I was asked. Would you speculate if a new Honda CRF 250X six speed is coming? I would speculate no, um, just based on that, the 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 reason there's a 450X now is because there's a 450L. They saw a need to make a a dual sport 450, and Honda already has a 250L, and they have a 250F, and I don't I don't think you're gonna see them try to try to develop some whole new, you know, like high performance 250 on road bike, which would allow a 250 X. So I don't, uh, I don't think that's gonna, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, I don't know that. Um, and, and it's funny, we, we, we talk about the six speed and how much, how much it helps a lot of bikes and stuff, but it really depends on what you're doing with the bike, whether you need a, a six speed transmission, it's, you know, they, it's, it's picky. You have to, you know, you can gear your five speed and kind of, if you're going to go more, most of the time you're going to go faster. It's when you're, it's when you want to ride like, you know, really fast stuff and then go do extreme and draw on the same trail ride. That's when you run into issues with your, your five speed. But for most people they're they can get away with a five speed, but it sure is nice to have that. You know, it's, it's a convenience to have a six speed, but to ask a manufacturer to design a whole new motor, you know, to accommodate that extra gear in the transmission means that engine better have some legs on it and they're going to be able to sell a lot of those things to kind of set apart the the cost so uh hopefully that answers that question as well let's see where we're at on the on the questions over here um so everybody's answering the the 100 mile an hour question after i said the, <laughs> the thing Okay, so the next, the next, we need, we need a really good question here. 
I'm I'm running I'm running low. Yeah, Bob. Okay, so everybody just just to announce it. San Felipe Bob is a Yamaha guy. Okay, uh, uh, Robert Walker, who's also in in the in the chat room there. Robert is a Honda guy. Yeah, it's kind of like I am a a Husaberg. No, I don't like them anymore. I like KTM's. Um, so, and and I get that I get that question all the time, like. Like you're just a you're just a Honda guy. That's all you do is ride Hondas. All you all you do is say good things about KTM's. So I am brand bredextrous. I've coined that word. It's my own. I don't care. I, I really I, I just want to have a really good motorcycle underneath me. I don't care who makes it. I don't care what color it is. I don't even care what gear I'm wearing, by the way, because I don't have to look at myself. So. Um, yeah, so you guys uh, enjoy your uh, enjoy your debates about which bike is best. <laughs> I am going to. I know what I was going to talk about. You, you know what I. You know what I did. <laughs> you know what I did today for the first time in like man ten years, ten years. I wore Alpine Star Tech Seven boots, and these are a lot of people's favorite boots. It's it's one of those things that. That I, I think Alpine Stars hates it because they make this really nice Tech 8 and they make this really nice Tech 10 and everybody just goes, I want I want a Tech 7. I'm just going to say Tech 7. So I actually, I hadn't had them for a while, so I got a set. And here they are. Yeah, brand new today. And I can see why you guys really like these boots. Um, they are, I'd have, I have to go do the research, see what they cost and the whole get the whole nine yards out about them. But um I, I was surprised that they didn't require very much break-in. I mean, right away when I put them on, they felt a little bit stiff, but 10 minutes after I was riding, I didn't notice the boots. Um, but I will tell you something that, you know, because I wear a lot of different boots, um, the one thing that, that you know, besides fit, you know, and everybody has their own um, their own thing, and that's one thing about that boot is, man, it just fit really nice. It, it just... It wasn't it wasn't tight any place. It had padding in all the right spots. It doesn't have any weird hinges or booties or it's just it's just a good standard boot. Um, but what what I find is once you say okay this boot fits my foot, the other thing that that I notice is the the way that the sole is constructed and where it puts your heel and the angles that your your foot is sitting at in the footbed is quite a bit different on a lot of different boots. And it was when I was riding the Yamaha, I'm going. Man, I feel kind of cramped in this bike, and and I realized that the Alpine. And I remembered, oh wait, I'm not wearing my usual boot. I usually wear CD boots. Um, it's just a, it's a personal preference. They fit my feet, and I like the stiffest sole possible um, that I can have because I don't want my foot to flex and bend. So I I like the CD SRS boots, which are way too stiff for most people, but I love them. And um, I don't say for most people, they're just they're they're really stiff. But um, what I noticed with the Alpine Stars and also with the Fox boots is that the heel is a lot higher. It feels like my heel's up a little bit. And so when I go to sit down on a motorcycle, it makes my legs fold up a little bit more. And it, it you know, folds me up a little bit more like tent sticks. And so I was like, I'm, is, it, is that a problem with the bike or is it, is it the gear I'm wearing? And so you see how something, one thing leads to affect another and different things like that. But... Um, I was, I, I kinda, I kinda had to refresh my memory on that and on those boots. And, uh, like I said, now I've, I, I've heard people, I never disputed that, that the, uh, um, that those were good boots. Uh, and I, I think the last time I wore them was actually, I raced with a set in Dakar in 97. I think we wore tech sevens. Yep. How long ago was that? Do the math. How many years is that? So it's more than 10, 20 years. <laughs> yeah. I must've worn some at some other point in between there, but that's, that's, I'm th actually remembering back. That's the last time I had them. So, um, that's, uh, one of the other things we're kind of messing around with is the boots and another product we've been testing. I talked about this a few weeks ago. This is the Scott dust goggle and it is kind of, um, it's designed for desert or dual sport riding. And the reason I know about this is because back when I was racing Dakar way back in the day, they, um, they gave us special goggles that had, they literally had a different foam, a thicker foam in there. So the wind and the, the, so the dust couldn't get in a, and so that the wind wouldn't dry your eyes out. 
it had a really good no fog in it, and um, it actually had Gore-Tex on the uh, on the inside of the liner, and it was an exp- a very expensive goggle, something you could get. Um, Scott makes a lot of really cool stuff over in Europe that you can't get here, but this is the Prospect um, version of it, and they've done that now. They put um, different foam in there to kind of help with the wind, and I'm really impressed with this goggle. Uh, if you're a dual sport guy riding, especially when it starts getting a little bit warmer, when that hot dry air goes in there and starts drying your eyes out and stuff, um, pretty pretty stoked on uh, the performance of that particular goggle. Thought I'd uh, bring that up so everybody uh, remembers or knows a little bit about it. Um, if you have stuff that you would like to see us test, let us know. Um, we can usually get um, some of that to, to use. Call Rob for computer help. <laughs> he does GPS <laughs> as well. Yeah, I remember that. I remember, see, see, Rob helped me on the Rebel Rally every night uh, when I would come in. I was the course director, and I come in, and I need to distribute out, um, distribute the uh, the track logs out in 16 different formats to everybody on their different device and stuff like that. So I'm looking for the price on the goggle. Uh, I saw somebody just kind of prime. It is. It's not a cheap goggle, but it's not out. Of, it's not out of line. It's uh, it, it's a big frame, so it would make it a little bit glasses compatible. That might that might help. I don't know if I have the notes from that from that one time I brought it in there. No, nope. Yeah, uh, no. Buy DBT shirts. I see a note from last time. Buy DBT shirts. Go on dirt bike test. Uh, goggles. Hold on. Here we go. Oh, Scott Prospect Sand Dust, $89. See, I knew I had it in there someplace. And Bob is over here having a heart attack for $89 goggles. The guy, you just, just slice open the mattress, and then when money comes flying out, the money that you put in there a long time ago, it'll come flying out. You just grab a few of them and take them down to your local dealer and get some goggles. Uh, Eric Holt, if a rear moose goes bad, will it change the rear suspension feel to harsh and swap in a whip section. Um, <laughs> if, a, if a rear moose goes bad, your suspension feeling is the least of your problems. But they do they do change where they alter, you know, as they and it depends on the brand how they how they uh, how they um, start um, degrading. Um, it's funny because some of them tend to kind of they 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 tend to roll off to the side when they start wearing out. Um, and then some of them almost get more springy. Um, they, I'm not sure exactly why or how, but maybe it is actually the, the rim of the, you know, the tire and the rim kind of hitting the, the ground or, you know, smashing through the bump. Those, uh, but um, yeah, it will change. It, a moose really does affect the way your suspension works and how it feels. And it's different from an air, you know, an air tire. So, um, Yes, that that will that didn't change anything. It seems to have gotten harsh in the rocks and the hoops. Um, yeah, hopefully you're hopefully you're yeah you're thinking about replacing that because <laughs> they usually don't get harder. That's the thing. The moose rarely gets harder, um, but it, maybe it's getting soft enough so now you're actually feeling the rim hit the uh, hit the thing. So somebody's surprised that the feed is actually still up and running strong. Yeah, that's what happens when you get to the internets that aren't in a in a bar with slot machines and 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 uh, ATM. We think the ATM was sucking up all of our bandwidth. We were actually trying to suck up money out of the ATM, but it didn't didn't work out. So we we miss you, Janie, over there at Ramiro's. Um, we'll we'll go back for a um, long time. Yeah, we'll see you Thursday, but we'll we'll go back. We'll 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 break that place back in one of these times. Um, I think that's it. We're kind of running up on our uh, hour. Um, I don't see any other uh, last-minute questions flying across the thing. It's, like I said, um, I'm going to go through and find... Uh, it, it, the question may not have been asked yet, by the way. The good question, because I'm going to pull... I pull some of the stuff that's on that feed right now for next week's questions. Um, I will send out a T-shirt to the best, uh, the best one that I can find in there. Maybe it's the, the best... Um, Smart ass comment. Who knows? <laughs> um, check our different feeds. Look at our Instagram feed, and you can see me go 100 miles an hour. You can watch us on the YouTubes. Um, we put this back up on YouTube. Uh, we edit it down, so I'll, I don't even know if I'll go in and take out the part where I'm just punching on the keys. Um, 
we have a Twitter account. Somebody tweet at us. Tweet at us. I I'll, I might answer that. And then um, I think other than that, uh, you can find us right here on Facebook every once in a while. But most of all, go check out dirtbiketest.com. That's the homepage. That's the base where all this information kind of gets delivered to. And uh, we're trying to give that thing a big push here, um, getting some more content up. Uh, there's a new story on what we would do to the 2019 uh, Suzuki RMZ450. Uh, we got one. We got a RMZ250 test coming up. We've been doing some Suzukis back in California. I haven't. I'm going to try to get um, my KTM 350 test all done, as well as this Yamaha WR450. And uh, that's about all we have. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, thanks for all the questions. We will keep in touch. And uh, I'll see you next week at the same bat time. Ciao.